It's time for another episode of Pats from the Past, our podcast. Matt Smith alongside Brian Morey, and very pleased to be joined today by former Patriots offensive lineman Damian Woody, current ESPN host. Damian, how are you? I'm well. I'm well. How are you guys doing? Pretty good, considering, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Always need a caveat these days, I yeah, think. Yeah, it's unbelievable. That's right. So, Damian, I think current Patriot fans and maybe even Patriot fans who are a little bit older certainly remember your time uh, with the Patriots and with the league, but I think there's a lot of people today who see you on the worldwide leader. So maybe if you could, let's start off by telling fans what you're up to these days. Absolutely. So first of all, you know, I can't, you know, I have to uh, tell everyone I'm a husband and father of seven kids. And you're busy. Absolutely. I am. I'm (laughs) I'm very busy. Um, I live in New Jersey, right outside of New York City. Um, I've been with ESPN since 2011, and um, life is good. Life is good. I can't complain. Do you enjoy? Do you enjoy the, uh, commentating in that work, Damian? I do. I love it. I love it uh, simply because I um, it allows me to stay close to the game. I get to watch um, watch all these different teams and uh, different concepts and speak with all the different coaches and personnel around the league and and it's uh it, it's just fascinating to see how the league is has uh has evolved since my time uh playing in the national football league hey damien how did espn come about and and i guess how much did you have to learn to really get comfortable in that environment yeah absolutely so you know during my play my playing career probably like um the latter part of my career um i started interning with uh, different media companies, uh, Sirius, Sirius XM. I was, I did a stint with them. Uh, I did a stint with uh, SNY here in New York City. And so my last year, um, the folks at ESPN had reached out about coming up and doing, um, doing some shows um, with them. Uh, you know, there's all the NFL shows, obviously, SportsCenter, all the different um, brands across uh, ESPN. And and then once my last year, I tore my Achilles in my very last game against the Indianapolis Colts in a playoff game uh, with the New York Jets. Uh, the the executives at ESPN, particularly uh, a guy by the name of Seth Markman, reached out to me while I was rehabbing to gauge my interest in in joining the worldwide leader. And I told him, you know, I would be thrilled. I just needed some time because I, at the time I wasn't sure if I wanted to retire. And that was the year of the lockout. Um, so we weren't able to talk with the ball clubs at the time. Um, but as I went through my, my rehab, I just knew that after 12 years and going through a, a rehab of an Achilles tendon, it was time for me to hang it up, and I made my transition into the media. I mean, especially because we're Patriot-centric here, Damian, the world revolves around the Patriots. We don't see anything outside of what's going on in New England. <laughs> Obviously, there are many former Patriots that have parlayed their time here in New England to jobs in the yep. media. And I think one of the questions, whether you're with the Patriots or anybody else, how challenging was it for you? You're, you're far removed a little bit now from your playing career, but there's still a lot of people who coach in the National Football League that you played with. How challenging was it for you to say, I have to be able to criticize these people in a very professional way, certainly not in a personal way, but was that difficult for you? Absolutely. It's one of the hardest things that um, that I learned, particularly in the early part of my career, was trying to walk that fine line of, of um, you know, not burning bridges as far as relationships are concerned, but at the same time doing my job 
um, on television, and, and which is being, you know, you got to call it as you see it, being a critic when necessary and, and praising uh, when it's there as well. So uh, I think for, not only for myself, but for a lot of players, that might be the hardest thing to do is to balance when you can go in or be critical on, on people, especially people you have relationships with and when you – um, when you need to back off, and that's something that I had to learn. Do you ever feel pressure to criticize? Like I no, got- I never felt. No, I never felt pressure to criticize. I always felt like, you know what? I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch the film. I'm going to watch the game, and I'm going to call it like I see it. Um, early on, it was it was hard because you just felt those relationships that you build are, are, are for a lifetime. You know, because a lot of times you're in the locker room with these same coaches, same players. Um, that you're talking about on TV and you've gone through the blood, sweat and tears with those guys and you don't want to bash them, particularly in the national media. But, you know, at the same time, you want to do your job, you know, because, that you know, a lot of a lot of people out there, they know when you're when you're beating around a bush and that's not how you want to be portrayed uh, in the national media. So, um, you know, as I as I as I've gotten further removed from the game, it's become a lot easier because I know that ESPN pays me, and that's what it really all comes down to. One last one here before we change topics here is, um, have you ever had to have a difficult conversation with somebody who followed up with you who didn't like what you had to say, and you listened to their side, and then maybe they listened to your side as to why you were saying whatever you were saying? Oh, absolutely. I've had I've had quite a few of those. And, you know, <laughs> one jumps out to me in particular. I uh, I had a comment about uh, Bill O'Brien, you know, during his Houston Texans days. And um, and uh, he reached out to me literally like an hour after I went on air and said what I said. And uh, anyone who knows Bill O'Brien knows he's a fiery coach. He doesn't hold his tongue at all. And so it was literally like an hour of back and forth going back back and forth at each other. But uh, but we had mutual respect for one another. He understood where I was coming from and I understood where he was coming from. And and from that point forward, it's just um, it made me it made it easier for me to talk about the job in the in the capacity that he was trying to do things down there. I think Brady between Brady, Nick, Bill, I think they nicknamed him (laughs) Teapot. Uh, Damien, because he can blow like a teapot. I think that that oh. I think that's his nickname. Or the, one of one of them that he earned around here, anyway. <laughs> Absolutely, he's a, he's a very passionate guy. Well, you know, and, and he gets a lot of heat. Obviously, it didn't work out for him here at the end. But they were the worst team in football when he took it over, and they won four division titles down there. So it wasn't exactly a failure in Houston. It just no, kind of no, fizzled out. Yes. So, Damien, you uh, you were obviously up here at Boston College, mm-hmm. and. After your junior year, right, you left? Correct. Yeah, and so the Patriots drafted you 17th back in 1998. You obviously were familiar. We, you know, it's funny. We talk to a lot of players who aren't from the area. And we say, well, you know, what was it like when you found out you were coming to the Patriots? They were like, where's New England? You obviously knew because you were here. Um, but what do you remember about draft day? Oh, man, it was, it was, uh, it was unbelievable. I, my draft day I spent um, back home in Virginia – um, over my aunt's house, and we had like all my, my. I had a bunch of my teammates from Boston College there. Um, I had obviously family and friends from the area. Uh, we had the local TV stations there, and it was just a festive event. And as you guys know, during the first round, you know it's 15 minutes for each pick. So 
people were thinking that, oh, it's just going to happen quick. And I'm like, guys, this is going to take hours because that's how, that's how long, you know, the first round is where we felt like we were going to go. And so when the, when the Seahawks uh, pick came up, we saw the trade. We saw the Patriots trade up with the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, that's when I got an inkling like, okay, this could possibly happen because New England was my last visit, uh, draft visit uh, before the NFL draft. And uh, and just to hear um, Tagley Boo call my name, man, the house erupted, I erupted. Uh, it, it's just a life-changing moment. I don't think, and you can please correct me if I'm wrong on this, I don't think Scar was your position coach your rookie year, but I think he transitioned to the offensive line in your second year. Is that he, do no, I have that right? No, he no, he was my he was okay. my position coach. Okay, yeah, he was. Yeah, it, you know, funny thing about Dante is when I came in uh, for my uh, my draft day visit, we go into the office, and he literally pulls out the worst tape of my co- collegiate career, <laughs> and we sat there for three hours and went over every play in detail. And uh, it it was just an excruciating uh, draft day visit. But it was, he told me after the fact it was on purpose because he wanted to see how I would react, to see if I was coachable. And uh, next thing you know, I was being drafted by the Patriots in the first round. Wait a minute, what happened in the game? Why'd you play so poorly in that game? Oh, man, it was against Syracuse. You know, that was the one game that I just wanted to, it was one of those games where I think every player has where you just want to throw away the tape. Because my technique was awful. I just played like crap that game. I really did. I played like crap. And um, and so we went through that game tape, and he was just asking me, what, what happened here? What happened there? And I just owned up to everything. I'm like, I just, you know, my technique was awful. I didn't play well. And uh, he put me through the ringer. And, um, but he was happy that I wasn't trying to scapegoat or trying to make an excuse as to why I didn't play up to my capabilities in that Syracuse game. And, you know, and uh, I've always said Dante was the the best coach that I've ever had playing in the National Football League. Why, Damian? It was the attention to detail. I, I, I just, from day one, stepping stepping foot on on uh, on that, that Patriots property, he never allowed me to get away with anything. He always, he held a standard to me. And he knew what my what, what I was capable of doing, and he was on me every single day to make sure I played to the best of my abilities. And I became a, a much better football player. I was smarter, I was tougher, um, and, and just from a technique standpoint, I was light years ahead of where where I was when I first came into the National Football League. And and I think the most important thing it set a it laid a foundation for the rest of my career. Even when I left New England. I could always go back to, well, what would Dante say to me? You know, what are the coaching points that Dante taught me that could help me in those particular situations? And, um, you know, I'm forever indebted to him. So forgive me for asking this, but the one one negative that we remember was in that last year you had trouble with your snaps, right? And you got moved out to Mm -hmm. guard. And so I wondered – like, I, I'm a baseball guy, right? So I think of, like, Steve Sachs and Chuck Knobloch, guys who were all-star second basemen who stopped being able to throw the ball to first base. Was that a mental thing, Damian? Absolutely. I, I, it was, uh, you know, a lot of people call it the yips is, is what they would, would refer to. 
And, uh, I, you know, the Patriots had me seeing a sports psychologist because of the whole thing. And um, But at the end of the day, man, you know, I worked on it in practice. I tried and tried. And uh, they never really – they never got down on me or anything like that. Bill, Coach Belichick said, you know what, you're, you're our most versatile lineman. We're going to shift you over and play guard in these particular situations, and we never missed a beat. So, again, uh, for me, it was uh, – uh, you know, because a lot of people – if I if you were messing up in that particular situation, some coaches would be like, you know what? We can't, you know, we can't put you out there. But the Patriots are like, no, we're just going to move you over. We're going to put, you know, Mike Compton or you know, uh, you know, whoever else was in there, and we're just going to go play football because we want our five best out there, and, uh, and and that's what happens. Do you do you think maybe Damian, in some sort of a weird way, you took which is what people tell you in life all the time in whatever field you're in, did you take a perceived negative in that situation, turn it into a positive, and maybe that helped you, like, hey, you know what? He isn't just a center, and the Detroit Lions maybe saw you as a guard. The New York Jets saw you as a guard. Did that help your career maybe uh, oh, in ab- actuality? Absolutely, because Coach Bilicek, I remember uh, my last year in New England, uh, Coach Bilicek said, told me that, I think Mike Compton had broke his ankle at the time. And uh, he said, you know, we're going to shift you to, to left guard. Um, and the reason why is the more versatile you are, the more valuable you become. And it was no, it was no, it, it was just a true statement. My last year, I ended up playing guard with the Patriots. We, we won the Super Bowl that year. Copen played and center. Be, correct. Copen played center. Yep. And because of that, it opened a whole new door as far as what teams were looking at me um, in free agency. Unfortunately, we weren't able to come up with, come up to you know come up with a, a contract agreement. But in free agency, my value went up exponentially, and it was all because of Coach Belichick and his preaching of versatility. So, so maybe they screwed themselves by moving you out to guard. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, listen, I wouldn't say that, Coach Belichick. It's it's rare that he uh, he misses, and um, you know, it, but he he does that all the time. If you look at the Patriots' offensive line now, you see a lot of guys that are able to you know switch positions, especially that that rookie six round pick from Michigan. He's been all over the place playing some really good ball. Well, you know, I think he likes to say, Damien, and my guess is that he probably told you this. You only have seven or eight guys that go to the game with you, right? So if oh, absolutely. You, if, if your center goes down, it's not like you have a backup center, a backup right guard, a backup left guard. You've only got seven or eight offensive linemen on game day. So somebody you, better be able to do something else, right? Yeah, you, he would, you're absolutely right. He would constantly preach that. You can't dress ten offensive linemen. You know, you're going to dress seven at the most eight. And you better believe those two or three backups, you got to play every position across the board. I remember, you know, my rookie year, even though I was a first-round center, Dante would have me practicing guard. He would have me practicing tackle because you never know in a pinch you might need to play a different position. Well, I think it's the Bills saying is the more you can do, the more you can do. That's right, and that that applies in life. Yeah. So let's go back a little bit. Um, When you got here, Pete Carroll was the head coach, Mm -hmm. and uh, that was his last year, I believe. 
Yes. And, and you guys got off to a really fast start, six and two. I think Drew Bledsoe was arguably the MVP of the league at the midway point when you guys went out to Arizona and laid it to the Cardinals out there. And then you had a bye week, and the wheels fell off. And you guys went two and six, finished eight and eight, and Pete got fired. What do you remember about that season? I'm just curious, kind of how from from inside the locker room you recall it. I, I had never. I mean, it, it was the craziest thing that I've that I've ever seen. Um, you know, we had a real veteran team. Obviously, a lot of holdovers from the Parcells era. Um, just a veteran veteran ball club, but. That second half of the season was just so weird. I, again, like you said, we were on a roll, six and two. We felt like, man, this team we could, we could go, we could go to the Super Bowl. And for us to fold in the second half, as a rookie, I, I didn't, I, I didn't know what was going on. I, I just felt like, how are we in this funk with so many good players um, on, on this team? And, and obviously, I knew. Just talking to the guys in the locker room, the Teddy Bruce, the Willie McGinnis, those guys, I knew what the, the writing was was on the wall at the time. I felt like they were, they, were, they told me there was going to be big change coming, and uh, obviously it was, and they ended up getting rid of Pete and bringing in Coach Belichick. Before we before we talk about that sort of transition, uh, Damian, just to kind of wrap it up a little bit with Pete, who didn't have success here in New England, you know? Um, and I think fans here in New England had a perception of who Pete Carroll was. Um, as somebody who played for him, are you surprised, A, that Pete's still going and he's going really, really well and that he's had the success that he's had in his career based on what happened here in New England? I'm not surprised because Pete is, he's one of the most player-friendly coaches I've ever come across. Um, And obviously the contrast in New England couldn't have been any more night and day, you know, when you go from Coach Billard, I mean, Coach Parcells to Pete Carroll, it's just a totally different contrast. But if you think about today's players, it's just a different, it's a different animal. And Coach Coach Carroll, even being the oldest coach in the league, the energy that he has, the energy in which he coaches and the, and the energy that he brings to organization, um, it doesn't surprise me at all that he's having the success that he's having. Now, obviously, when you have a, you know, when you have a Russell Wilson, <laughs> that does a lot, you know, that helps you tremendously. But, you know, what, he, what he's been able to do in Seattle, I'm not surprised. Well, so let's then talk about the transition from Pete to Bill. Um, you know, we all obviously, from our perspective, can see the differences. What was it? Was it like a culture shock for you guys in the locker room? I mean, some of the players had some familiarity with Bill from 1996, but how about you individually and and just as a team as a whole? Was it was it a shocking change? Oh, for me, it it, it, it was more than a shock. Uh, it, it it was. I was honestly questioning would I be able to to uh, play in the league a long time? Why? Because. <laughs> I remember, um, I remember when, when Coach Belichick came in, and um, and I remember talking with uh, Willie McGinnis, and he was like, "Bro, get ready, get ready, because you haven't you haven't seen anything like this, you know, probably in your whole football career." And I'm just thinking, okay, you know, it can't be that bad. Like, I've been through a lot; it can't be that bad. And I remember Coach Belichick's first training camp 
And the night the night before our first practice, he comes in and he he and he uh, addresses the team and and he says <laughs> he says there will don't ask for any breaks because there will be no breaks. Put your head down and go to work. And he literally walks out of the room. And I just remember looking around and thinking to myself, oh my God, what is what am what am I up against right now? What what is about to happen? And when I say that was the toughest training camp I have ever been a part of, I've never seen where guys were retiring almost on a nightly basis because training camp was so tough. And I mean, it was, you know, it was on purpose just to kind of weed people out. Cause you remember at the, at the time, you know, we had, I believe we had one of the oldest teams in the league. And so Bill was just purging people, you know, from the roster. And um, those practices were brutal, just brutal practices. Um, but you could clearly see from Bill, his knowledge of the game, just how he taught the game. It, it was just, it was light years ahead of anything that I had, I had experienced. Was it evident to you that first year then, Damian, where you weren't very good record-wise? You competed like hell. You guys were in most games that you played. Was it evident to you as a younger guy then with this new regime in, even though your record wasn't very good, there was no question that you were going in the right direction? Oh, absolutely. When I tell you that I have never, I had never been taught the game of football the way I, the way I was taught by Coach Belichick, it's absolute fact. Even to this day, when, pe- when, I, when people come up and, and ask me, how was it in New England? How is Coach Belichick? I'm like, to me, he's a football genius, a football savant. He, he, the things he taught us, the things he would tell us during the week, how team, what, how we would win. And then if we didn't win, he would revisit those points and just go through them point by point. And it's just like, wow, this guy told us what, what we needed to do, laid it, all th- laid it all out there, and then everything he said unfolded. And it's just, I became such a smarter, uh, smarter player under him. And I think if you ask anyone who played under Coach Belichick, that's the one thing that they'll tell you is how much smarter their football IQ has risen, you know, under his tutelage. Well, Cam Newton just called him the football whisperer last week. Yeah, see, I, it, it's it's true. It, it, it's there is no question. You can it, people can say this and that, you know, as far as a personality or how Bill treats the media or whatever. I, I just tell people. You won't, you won't find a smarter head coach out there. Period, bar none. The guy, just he's a football genius in in every sense of those words. So then, Damian, do you look back on your career, and not to jump ahead because I think we have some other questions from the time period, but just on that note, do you ever look back and and regret leaving here? I don't regret because everything happens for a reason. Every there's a purpose with everything. Um, but my wife and I, we all, we, we discuss a lot, like what if we had stayed in New England? Um, because we were very, Boston is like my second home. I spent so much time up there. I still have a lot of friends up there. It truly is. New England truly is like our second home. Uh, we vacation up there all the time. And, uh, we, we ask ourselves, man, do, should we have left to gone to Detroit? 
but there are so many lessons that happened because of those moves that that turned me into the man I am today. So I don't regret the move at all, but man, just being in New England and and, and having that coaching, it's just phenomenal. Well, so but that you bring up a really good point there, Damian. And I think um, look at it, it's a copycat league and very competitive copycat league. And so when one team sees another team have the success, you know, hey, let's get a Damian Woody and bring him into our program. Or contemporary wise, let's get a Matt Patricia and get him into our program. Let's get a Joe Judge and get him into our program. Those guys have had so much success. You can speak to it. How do you preach the um, the disciple of the Patriots and Bill Belichick at a new program? And is it hard if it's not the guy doing it and it's some of his disciples trying to preach that uh, to try to get that culture into other buildings? It can't be replicated. It can't be replicated. I, I, I remember coming to Detroit and... <laughs> You know, players would tell you when you get good coaching, it is like you notice bad coaching so quickly. And I remember, like, just right off the bat in Detroit, I'm like, boy, I'm in trouble. We are in trouble here because it's the attention to detail that separates New England from the pack. Um, Every... Every meeting, every pra- every practice, it felt like you were in a pressure cooker. And it, when I went to Detroit, it was nothing like that, nothing. And I remember our GM at the time, um, Matt Millen, he used to ask me all the time. He would call me up to his office all the time, ask me questions about New England. And I used to tell Matt, hey, man, if, if this is the case, Y'all should have uh, added me, put an additional title of assistant GM, you know, talking about the Patriot way. But it's just so hard to replicate New England because Bill has done, Bill has done such a great job of, of fostering an environment that um, people are uncomfortable. You have great teachers. He does a great job of, of coaching up his coaches, teaching the players, and ultimately having everyone buying in to the system. And it, that's a huge undertaking for anyone to take from New England and take it to another organization. So Brian was asking you, do you have any regrets? I, I would ask it maybe a little bit differently, Damian. And I think Bill has been on the record of saying this. This program isn't for everybody. You know, it, you, it's great that you get coached up. It's great how hard it is. You talk about it being a pressure cooker. But as a, I don't know, when, when you left here 28, 29, 30 years old, is it like, you know what? I, I don't want to be coming to work and be in a pressure cooker. I'd like to go someplace else and be a little bit more relaxed. Isn't there something to that? Absolutely. There's absolutely something to that because I think um, with some players, you in New England, you get burned out. You really do. You get burned out just by being in that environment day after day after day. Because I used to tell people all the time, even when we were winning, I remember in 2003, we had like, um, it, like we had a crazy winning streak going. But it almost, you felt miserable. <laughs> you felt miserable during the week. And it wasn't until we won the Super Bowl where you felt like, I finally see the light. Is it, it worth it, like though? We were, it, huh? Say it again? Is it then worth it? 
Oh, it's absolutely worth it. But I'm just saying the process is 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 uh, the process is ugly and it's it's a grind. But at the end, it's beautiful. But you're in a dark tunnel the whole time because Bill doesn't want you to be comfortable. It's just a grind, twenty four seven, and it's not for everyone. Not everyone can handle that because some people they want to have fun. They look at football. It's a game. It's a kids' game. They want to have fun. Well, that's not necessarily the case in New England. Uh, and so you're absolutely right. New England's not for everyone. So when when you leave, though, I mean, you said you you knew right away, kind of that you were in trouble in Detroit. Is it hard for guys once you do leave to say, "Oh boy, well this team's not working as hard"? Like, I'll give you an example: Dwayne Allen. When Dwayne Allen signed with the Patriots or came over to the Patriots, I was talking to him. He was over at the Hall of Fame, and he had talked about the AFC Championship game where they lost like 45-7 to to the Patriots. He said, I left that game thinking, how the heck did that just happen? Like, I think we're every bit as talented as that team, and they just (laughs) ran us off the field, and I didn't get it. He goes, until I came here, and I just realized they just work harder than everybody else. Would you say that's accurate? It's pretty true. It's, it's, it's pretty accurate. It's the, again, let me say this. I am so glad that I started off my career that way because it laid a foundation for me. I wouldn't want it to have happened at the end of my career. I'm glad it happened at the beginning because it laid a foundation for how it's supposed to be. And so when I moved, to, moved on to Detroit, I could see this is not how it's supposed to be done. Yes, not everything is supposed to be. There's more than one way to what I call skin a cat. You can win different ways, but some things you, you just can't let happen. The attention to detail, how hard you work, holding guys accountable. Those are like basic principles in New England that quite honestly, not everyone does around the National Football League. So when I was in the environment in Detroit, it affected me as well because I wasn't being held to a certain standard and it affected me and it caused me to refocus myself, recommit myself. And, uh, and that's where, you know, for me, I was able to kind of have a second renaissance at the end of my career because of all those lessons that I learned in New England. So, I mean, I think, you say very eloquently it, you can skin a cat a number of different ways. And you probably played for, I'm going to take a guess, at two guys at the complete opposite end of the spectrum, in Bill at one end of the spectrum and Rex at the other end of the spectrum. Is mm-hmm. it safe to say, Damien, that, you know, look at Rex Ryan's a good football coach. He's been, he was in football for a very long time. But is it possible maybe that Rex's, Rex's methodology or his reason for being – that's tougher to sustain for a longer period of time, maybe unlike Bill, where this is where we're going to do it. I'm not going to compromise. This is how it's been done. I've got the tracker to do it. Maybe Rex is sort of like he can catch lightning in a bottle a little bit, get a group rejuvenated and get them all on one page, but maybe only for a, a little bit of time. I think, I think you're exactly right. And, and I, listen, I have the utmost admiration for Rex Ryan. Um, what he did during, during his just tenure was – was great. What I will say is this. During my Jets tenure, I think a key 
for that for those teams, we had some really good veterans that came from some really good programs, um, like Alan Fanica at the time, offensive guard from the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, Tony Richardson who came from the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, uh, you know myself, my background from the Patriots. We had a bunch of guys, veteran guys. We had Jason Taylor, you know, who who was a really good player for the Miami Dolphins. We just had a bunch of veteran guys who knew how to do the little things, who knew how to practice right, who knew how to study film, did all the little things right, and Rex came in and just was that kind of like that adrenaline, that that boost of adrenaline to a lot of the veteran players, and we were able to capitalize off of that. But once all those veterans left, and now it was up to the young guys to take over, that's where things kind of unravel because if you're not honed in on all the little details, on the preparation, then you don't have the foundation to continue on to have the long-term success. So let me just revisit 2001 a little bit because, you know, you guys went 5-13 and 13 in Bill's first 18 games as a coach here, Damian. And then Drew Bledsoe suffered what was arguably a, almost a life-threatening injury, and Tom Brady comes in. When did you see it with Tom Brady? Well, for, first of all, I was in the locker room. I was actually hurt that same game. Um, that drew that drew got injured against the Jets, and it was absolutely right. I remember being in the locker room, and you know, pe- people were panicking in the locker room as far as Drew's injury. But um, we saw it. In, I, I, like just watching Tom in practice, it was well before you know he just stepped foot on the field against against the Jets or in the subsequent games after that. It was his command in practice. Um, he didn't. Phys- he was never a physically imposing guy, but he was sharp, and he just commanded the huddle. That's that's the number one thing about a quarterback is you got to be a leader of men. And the one thing about Tom is he worked his tail off in in the weight room, in his training, in his in his practice habits, and and uh, you know in meetings. And then when he came to practice, he was – he just had it, man. You could look in his eyes and know, this dude has it. I trust this guy to take us down on a two-minute drill with down five to get the winning score because he showed it in practice. Did he so, – I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, Did he hold you guys accountable in the huddle? We see him yell at wide receivers, right? We see him get fiery. You know, you mentioned Bill O'Brien, the teapot. We've seen Tom lose his cool a few times. But did he ever get on the offensive lineman in the huddle as well? Oh, absolutely. He absolutely would. And Bill would get on him. And so it was just like a trickle-down effect. But because Tom was – he always carried that massive chip on his shoulder that he was the sixth-round pick, the 199th pick in the NFL draft. And he expected perfection not only of himself but the guys around him. And so when guys around him weren't doing the job that he thought that they were capable of, he would let you know. And sometimes we would let him know. And then ultimately, Bill would let him know. And so he just had this edge about him that – Guys respected. 
I like my quarterback with the edge. I like my quarterback to cuss me out. I don't have a problem with that. As long as you're doing your job as well, I have no problems you cussing me out if I'm not holding up my end of the bargain. That's what Tom did. It's amazing still he's got that chip on his shoulder at 43 years old. It really is remarkable. <laughs> Last question here for me, Damien. You know, you're talking about, you know, Bill teaching and being in the room when you were a young player and everything like that. For the first time in quite a long time as Bill's trying to maybe churn this roster a little bit and uh, he's done it on the fly successfully, this mm -hmm. maybe a little bit differently. Is the key, if you were being able to talk to a younger player who's on this Patriots roster today, is the key its demonstrated ability. Listen to what this staff has to say. They know what they're talking about. Do what they say. If you just do what they say, and while that sounds easy, maybe it isn't so easy in practicality, but if you just do what they say, the results will speak for themselves. Absolutely, because Bill has such a track record with players. I mean, going all the way back. I mean, you could go literally back to, you know, Bill's day with the New York football giants. Just the way he teach, teaches guys and coaches guys up. And it's, it's all about one mantra. Just do your job. Don't try to do somebody else's job. Don't try to be more than what you really are. Do the job that's asked of you. When Bill asked me to move to left guard, I did it. And I did it to the best of my ability. And guess what? It worked out. You know, when Bill asked guys to play a different position or ask guys to do things that maybe they're not comfortable with, nine times out of ten, if you embrace it and you're 100% committed to it, good things will happen to you because – that's what really good coaches do. They put their players in positions to win, and Bill has done that throughout his time coaching the New England Patriots. So, you know, I would tell any young guy on that roster, embrace it, listen to it, commit yourself to it. If you do it, you'll become a better football player. You know, we've talked a lot about Bill Damien, and, you know, he doesn't really strike people as this like fiery motivator correct but but yet you know i remember back in 2001 when he showed took you guys to see shackleton's adventure during training camp yeah. he showed yeah. you the breeders cup with tis now coming out of the pack to win the <laughs> breeders cup classic can you just talk about him as a motivator and also does that preparation and work ethic that you talk about kind of serve as motivation in and of itself I think part of the – Bill's also a tactician. And what I mean by that is, you know, I never played under Coach Parcells, but everyone that I talked to was his ability to connect with you uh, psychologically. Bill just has a, 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 a an ability to know how to push those buttons – and know how to use certain things to connect with either pl certain players or the team as a whole. And, I mean, you touched on, you know, a lot of different um, motiv motivational tools that he used during, during his, especially during his early tenure. But he just knows how to reach out to guys and get the – and knows how to squeeze the most juice out of those guys. And to me, as much as it is about – the X's and O's, a lot of it is psychological. How can I get the most out of this player from a psychological standpoint? Because that's a huge part.
part of the game of football. You know, Damien, this will be my last question, but I just I want to ask about honesty and how important that is to a player. Because I've talked to a number of players over the years who, who often bring that up about Bill. He's just honest. He tells you the way it is, even if you don't want to hear it. And my impression from that is that that's not true among a lot of coaches. Would you agree with that? Oh, I would absolutely agree with that. Um, I remember my my last year with uh, with New England, and you know, like I said, we couldn't work out a contract contract deal, and and uh, after the season, we won the Super Bowl, and and uh, I, I Bill called me in his office. It was me, Bill, and Scott Pioli, and he said, "Look, we know you're going to be highly coveted, and." We just, you know, we we try to come to come to terms, and you know, we're going to let you test the market, and uh, just, you know, if out of courtesy, just bring us back a deal. But the chance of you re-signing here is probably going to be slim because we know how the market can be. And the one thing that I appreciate was Bill was honest and straightforward in the fact that. When he told me, more than likely you're not going to be, you're not going to be back, and I can appreciate that because all players want is just shoot it to me straight. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't have an agenda. If you shoot it to me straight, I can di- I can handle it as a man. And if you talk to most guys that's played on the bill, that's been the case where Bill is just. Shot it to him straight. And that's all I can ask for as a player. Just give me the honest truth. I can handle it and we can move forward. And that's why I have a deeper, a deep appreciation for Bill and in the, in the Patriots organization. Tremendous insight provided by Damian Woody, number 65 for the Patriots, who was an integral part in some of those early years in winning uh, the first of the Patriots' two Super Bowl championships. Um, a terrific player in the NFL and a terrific analyst on ESPN these days. Damien, we really appreciate you taking some time out today to join us. Thank you so much. Thank you for for having me, guys. This was really fun. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.